afternoon. I am Minister Cofield with Zion Hill Baptist Church right here in Pineville, Louisiana. And again, I would like to welcome you to Grace for Today. We're going to continue the study on the book of Nehemiah. Uh, if you notice on last week, we ended uh, with Nehemiah getting the news that the country of Israel, or rather specifically, the city of Jerusalem was in ruins. The walls of the city and the gates had been torn down and destroyed. And he had gotten that news and he was very distraught. And so where we are today, we are right here where Nehemiah now on today, he's going in to serve the king. You know, he's the king's cupbearer. He goes in to give the king his beverages to drink. And the king just notices that the countenance on Nehemiah's face is not the same. His countenance was where he was saddened. And the king, of course, had some concerns there. And so he asked Nehemiah, what is wrong? Why are you looking so sad? And Nehemiah paused just for a moment within himself and he proceeded to pray and a very quick prayer. Then he went on to talk to the king and he told him, say, if you only knew, and I'm just putting this in layman's terms, if you only knew what I know, you know, the city of my family, the city of Jerusalem has been destroyed and torn down. The gates is, uh, are destroyed, the walls are destroyed, and my relatives in Jerusalem are not protected and they are exposed to the enemy. He was just very distraught and he just went ahead and just told the king. And so the king says, well, what would you have me to do? And again, quickly, Nehemiah prayed. You know, I told you Nehemiah was a praying man. And that's a wonderful thing when we can develop a lifestyle of prayer. He quickly said a prayer to himself and then he went on to tell the king what he wanted. He asked the king's permission to go to Jerusalem so that he could build the walls so that his family, his people will be protected from the enemy. And the king went on to ask him, you know, well, what is it that you want? What else do you want me to do? And he tells the king, I would like to take time away from my job to go to Jerusalem. And he also requested the king. And the queen was right there beside him to witness this in entire conversation. He says, I would like for you to grant me permissions to go to Jerusalem, to provide supplies and what have you, so that I could help build the walls of Jerusalem. And not only that, would you write letters to the other countries? Because between where he was in Babylon and, and the state of Israel, he had to pass through other countries in order to get there. And so, he asked the king if he would write letters to the governors of other states to grant him permis permission 
for rites of passage through their territory to make sure that no harm even came to him. And guess what? The king granted his wish. You know, I told you last week, whenever you pray, it is always good to be very specific in your prayers. And that's what Nehemiah did again when he went before the king. His request was very specific. He didn't burst out and go to crying and all this stuff, beating the ground. You know, he said a quick prayer to himself, and then he went before the king and made his request. And guess what? The request was granted. And not only that, the king went a step farther, and he sent Nehemiah along the way with all kinds of security guards and what have you to protect him on the trip. You know, we serve a mighty, mighty good God. It is a blessing when we know that God sends us on a journey and he sends us protection for our journey. And we, that's just a wonderful thing, brothers and sisters, to be thankful to God for. So here we are. Nehemiah finally arrives in Jerusalem. He gets there, him and his entourage of people, and so that night came, and what he did was he took a few of the guys that were with him, and they went and scouted the city. They went all the way around Jerusalem just doing an assessment, assessing the walls of Jerusalem, what needed to be done. They did all of this before they even made it known that they were in the city. They assessed the walls, what needed to be done, the damages and everything. And then he came back and got a good night's nice rest. And the next morning, he went to the leaders of the city to let his presence be made known and what he was there for. Once he made his presence known and what, his, what he was there for and that he was on a God-given assignment and that he had a passion for what he was there for, he let the people know, I'm not coming in to take over or anything like that. I am here because I truly care about you. You are my people. And I heard about the walls and the gates being destroyed. And I am here by permission of the king to help rebuild the walls. And not only that, and he said, and my God, my God will help us to build this wall. So they proceed on to building of the wall. First of all, let me backtrack uh, uh, just a second. Before they began building, Nehemiah came up with a strategy, a strategy where you have some that are building and then you had some that were serving as watchmen. They gave each one their assignment. You know, the assignment of the ones at various gates in the city where the gates once were, the sheep gate, you know, and uh, various gates to the city 
they were to build the walls in the area of the city gate where they live. So they came up with this strategy and the strategy was good. They were planning. So before the building actually started, they planned who's going to do what. And the plan was good. Brothers and sisters, they got started with the wall. And guess what? The enemy showed his ugly head. There were enemies by the name of Samballot and Tobias. They heard about the wall that was being rebuilt, the walls to Jerusalem. Remember, Samballot and Tobiah, these were enemies to the Jews. And they were very, very upset about that. They began to mock the Jews. They insulted them. They laughed at them. And you know what else they told them? They said a little joke. They had a little joke going around saying that if a fox walked on that wall, the wall would fall in. Ha, ha, ha. You know, when you start to walk in your God-given assignment, you're going to have enemies out there that's going to laugh at you. You're going to have people that are going to laugh at you. They're going to make fun of you. You know, what is he doing? What does she think she's doing? What do he think he's doing? But my brothers and sisters, you can't allow yourself to get distracted by the enemy and his mockery. Nehemiah prayed no matter what Samballot or Tobias did. Nehemiah continued to pray to the Lord his God. He knew that God was with him. He was confident that God would not bring him this far and leave him. Brothers and sisters, even you, God will never leave you and God will never ever forsake you. God is a God of his word. He will do just what he says he will do. Every day that they would build on the wall, they got up early in the morning and started working and they worked until late at night. They were very, very diligent in what they were doing. They were diligent in building the wall. They got to a point where this wall was about halfway built and Sam Ballard and Tobias came back again, nitpicking at them, making fun of them, threatening them. They threatened even to get the armies to attack them. I mean, brothers and sisters, the enemy wants to attack you when you start walking in your purpose, when you start walking in your destiny. But remember, you have to continue to pray. Pray, pray, pray. Your prayers don't go unheard and your prayers don't go unanswered. Remember, God will watch over his word to perform it. 
Sometimes it may not seem like God is there, but yes, he is there and he is working on your behalf. Nehemiah called the people together after they got the threat that they were going to attack them. They were plotting against them and he called the people together and he encouraged them. You know, it's so good sometimes when you are up against a task you and you just sometimes we all need a word of encouragement. He called all the builders together and he encouraged them and he told them, don't be afraid. Remember, remember that God is great. And I want to tell you today, this is grace for today. Remember, God is great. God is good. And he will be there for you. Look what Nehemiah did. He said to them, don't give up. You got to fight. You got to stand up for what you believe in. Nehemiah says, you got to be strong, brothers and sisters. He says, you got to fight for your friends. You've got to fight for your family. You've got to fight for your homes. Listen, you, brothers and sisters, those of you who are watching on this evening, hear what I say and hear me clearly. The enemy don't like you. He doesn't like you. He don't like your children. He don't like your marriages. He don't like your families. He don't like your achievements and anything that the enemy can do to destroy you, to railroad you, he will do it. But guess what? You have authority over the enemy. Nehemiah tells them today, and I'm going to tell you today, you got to fight. I wouldn't have friends who wouldn't fight for me. If you are a mother or a father of your house, you got to fight for your family. You've got to fight for your home. You can't allow the enemy to come in and destroy your family. You can't let the enemy just walk in your house and take over and destroy your home. You can't let him come in and take control, take over your children. Brothers and sisters, you've got to fight. I wouldn't get hooked up with anybody if you are single and you're watching me on this evening, I dare you to get hooked up with some man that won't protect you, that won't fight for you. You have got to fight for your family and your home. How long do you fight? You fight as long as it takes to protect you from the enemy. You know what? The fight is lifelong. You got to continue to fight. This is spiritual warfare that I'm talking about. You've got to war in the spirit for your family, for your home, 
for your goals, for your dreams. You've got to fight. Yes, you have got to fight. You've got to rage war on the enemy. Well, you may say, well, Minister Cofield, how do I wage war against the enemy? God gave you some tools to use. You've got to use his word. You've got to use the word of God. The enemy knows whether you know the word or not. That's how come he's railroading so many people because he knows they don't know the word. You've got to know the word. The Bible says you should know the truth and the truth will make you free. And brothers and sisters, you've got to use the name of the Lord. The word says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're saved. You've got to call up on the name of Jesus. Hey, that's a powerful, powerful name. That's, that name is a weapon that you can use and it will resonate in the heavenlies. When you call upon that name of Jesus, the Bible says that demons tremble. When you call upon that name of Jesus, that name is a name that was given to Jesus. And it is a name that is above every name. The Bible says at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will compare, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He said that every knee in the earth, under the earth, is going to bow at the name of Jesus. Demons have to bow down at the name of Jesus. Why? Because demons know that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He knows that he is Adonai. He is the most high God. The devil knows something. He knows that if he can get you not to call on that name of Jesus, he has a way of sneaking in and destroying your situation. Nehemiah here today modifies the plan. He finds out that the enemy is trying to attack. He modifies the plan and he said, okay, we're going to let half of you guys work on the wall and half of you will stand and you will stand as a guard. And not only that, all you that are working on the wall the builders, the brick masons, the laborers. This is what you do. You put your weapons on your side. And as you build the wall, if the enemy will attack, you will grab your weapon. Brothers and sisters, you got to keep your weapons with you. So when the enemy come, you can grab your weapons what weapons? The word of God that is in your mouth. The weapon is right there on your tongue. And you have to say, Satan, 
get thee behind me. You have no place in my life. You have no place in the life of my children. You have no place in my marriage, my family. You got to speak the word over the enemy, brothers and sisters. Nehemiah says this city of Jerusalem is a big city. There is great distance between the gates. So you stand watching, you continue to build with your weapons on the side. But I'm going to let someone that, to walk with me. I'm going to have someone walk with me who has a trumpet. And because we're spaced so far apart, he says, when you hear that trumpet blow, that means that the enemy is approaching. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, Nehemiah say, you rush to me. The person blowing the trumpet is going to stay with me. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, you rush to where I am. Because when you rush to where I am, God will fight for you. Isn't that amazing? Point taken, when we are together in unity, where there's unity, there is strength. When you space far apart, you're at risk. But when you're all together fighting as one, hey, the numbers are strong and we are stronger together, close together, than we are far apart. Yes, it was risky with them building a wall. But when the enemy comes like a flood, we're going to join together. And we are going to fight. Amen? They wouldn't give place to the enemy. They even never took off their clothes, brothers and sisters. They only took their clothes off when it was time to wash. They wore the same clothes. They carried their weapons at all times. Hey, I carry my weapons all the time. I carry the word of God, which is on my tongue, and I speak the word. I carry praise. I praise God because when the enemy shows up, hey, you can praise the Lord because I told you last week, he inhabits the praise of his people. So you let the praise be on your lips. And not only that, you can call on the power of the Holy Ghost. Invoke the power of God in, in your situation. Invoke the power of God. Invoke the blood of Jesus. The blood, brothers and sisters, is powerful. It never loses its power. You remember when the children of Israel were in Egypt? And on the night when they were, before they left, you know, they spread the blood over the doorpost. And when the death angel came, when he saw the blood, the death angel had to pass over. And the same here, when you invoke the blood of Jesus, that devil has to pass over. Why? Because when you invoke the power of the blood of Jesus, you invoke the name of Jesus, 
that powerful, powerful name, hey, you are putting a hedge of protection around you. Oh, God is a mighty God. He puts a hedge of protection around us to protect us. Not only that, he raises up a standard against the enemy. Don't ever leave home without your weapons. Always keep your weapons with you. Keep the word of God with you. Invoke the power of the blood of Jesus. Invoke the name of Jesus in every situation that you encounter. Invoke that name because that name is a powerful name. And as a child of God, he has given you the authority to use his name. He's given you the authority to use his word. Remember, his word alone is anointed. The word of God is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Use the word of God. Always, always over your situation with your family. Use the word of God. You know, there was a great outcry amongst the people. They began to cry because the rich people in Jerusalem, the Jews, these are their rich brothers and sisters. Their rich brothers and sisters began to exploit them. Hey, we are here as Christian believers. And don't you know that even in, in, amongst Christendom, we still have people who haven't been delivered from some things. We still have Christians who do things that are not right. Same, same what's happening here. Here you are with these Jews, other Jews, the rich Jews. They are exploiting their Jewish brothers and sisters who have returned back to Jerusalem. What are they doing? They are taking advantage of the families who were building the walls. Husbands left to go and help to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They left their jobs. And what happened? Bills got behind. They got behind on their mortgages. They got behind on their on, on paying various bills. They got behind on paying their taxes. And guess what? These rich Jews, the bill collectors, they began to profit off the Jewish brothers and sisters who were out there working to rebuild the wall. You know, you are out there working sometime trying to help somebody else. And the very persons that you are trying to help turn around and stab you in the back. You're trying to help them. These people are out there rebuilding the walls. They are trying to help everybody, not only the Jews who returned from Babylon, but all of their Jewish brothers and sisters who live within the city of Jerusalem. Everybody was going 
to benefit from this effort. Yet, you've got some people, a small group in the bunch, who's always going to do something that's going to put a damper on the brothers and sisters and discourage them. You know what they did? They began to sell children into slavery to pay bills. They began to foreclose on their properties. They had to mortgage some of these properties and, and resell it just to be able to pay their bills. Nehemiah made a public request. He wanted a hearing to bring these rich Jews before a public assembly because of the fact they were treating their brothers and sisters who were building the wall, they were treating them wrong. They asked them, do you fear God? They couldn't justify their actions. They couldn't justify why they would foreclose, why they, why they would take properties, why they would sell people's children into slavery or cause them to sell their children into slavery just to be able to pay their bills. These brothers and sisters who are out there trying to help you, why would you treat them so bad? They had a public hearing and honestly, they couldn't even justify doing what they did. Nehemiah called all the priests and he made these men before the priests to vow that they would keep their promise. He asked them to return these people's properties back to them, return their children back to them because you have no justification to treat them the way you're treating them when they are doing something that's going to benefit you and all the people here within the city of Jerusalem. And guess what? They relented and they agreed to return people's properties back to them. And not only that, brothers and sisters, he brought the priest in, he made them to vow right before the priest that they will follow through and do what they had promised. Not only that, he told them, if you fail to carry out your promise, may the God whom we serve destroy your homes. Oh, that put fear in their hearts then because these are Jews, God's chosen people. They had seen what God did to the enemies of his people and they knew they did not uh, want to contend with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which was also their God. They knew God was strong, that God was mighty, and that God is powerful. 
brothers and sisters, today, this is what I want to leave with you. When you are in the process of building your dreams, whatever your God-given talents are, whatever your destiny is here on this earth, the Bible says God has a plan for each of us. That plan is good and not evil. When you begin to walk out that plan, the enemy will show up. But guess what? You have power over the enemy. Work your plan, my brother and my sisters. Work your plan. Work to achieve your dreams. Work to achieve your goals. But as you work to achieve your goals, make sure that you've got your weapons on your side. What are those weapons? The word of God. The name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. And the power of the Holy Ghost. You keep those weapons with you. And guess what? No enemy who fashions anything against you will prosper. None of them will prosper because God is on your side. Thank you, my brothers and sisters. It has been a pleasure in being here with you on today. Call that number on the screen. If you are in need of prayer today, there are prayer counselors waiting for your call. Sometimes as Christians, we get a little weak in this walk and we just need to join up with somebody else who's stronger than us to pray with us. Call that number on the screen. And if you're in need of a church home, Zion Hill would love to have you a part of the family. We are family. We are in the family of God. And we're wanting to be here for you. We want to help nourish you so that you can get strong, so that you can achieve, and so you can help join in with us in making our world a better place. Thank you so much. Be blessed.